Welcome to the fourth episode of the Fordham IPLJ podcast with your online editor, Anthony Zangrillo. I'm here with staff member David Bradley Eisenberg. Hey, Anthony, always happy to be here. Thanks very much for having me on. I think this is like your third time on the podcast already, right? Yeah, man. Well, you know, I like to uh, check out the Thrilla and Zangrilla, you know, whenever I can. Everyone likes to check out the Zangrillo Factor, the colonel that runs the online journal. Today we're going to start a new one. Okay. Emperor, Emperor Zangrillo. Love uh, love my uh, Lord Sidious, uh, you know, Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. Got a recommendation. Go check out the Red Letter Media. They just did a Plinkett review of uh, Force Awakens. Big fan of their work. Okay. I, I will say Emperor Zangrillo doesn't have a pun in it, uh, so it's not my favorite of your nicknames. I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know that. <laughs> but... Now, today we have a really interesting topic. It's all about the copyrightability of jokes. So now, David, you suggested this topic. You want to go into a little bit why? Yeah, so I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, I have been doing it for about three years now. Um, I'm doing, like, you know, mics and shows all over the city, um, which is that in and of itself is a cliche phrase that people say. But um, I uh, have, was interested initially in kind of looking uh, where people accuse other comedians of joke stealing, and joke stealing is treason, essentially. You know, I mean, it's it's mutiny in the comedy world, and it can ruin somebody's careers. We'll talk about it a little bit later. And so I just kind of wanted to see, um, is it all, is it always self-governed? Is it always, is joke stealing just, um, you know, the, how the, entire community views you and then all of a sudden it just becomes a a witch hunt against a joke thief or is there legal action that can be taken and two people present evidence and things like that and then it kind of got me thinking about the intellectual property rights of jokes and especially as somebody who's you know i mean i do stand-up comedy and it doesn't pay the bills it's it's is it, it if you could copyright a joke would that make comedians more money uh, so those are kind of some things that I was looking at, and that's kind of why I wanted to bring it onto the Zangrillo factor to have have us break it down. In order for so, something to be copyrightable, you need an original form of expression fixed in a tangible medium. Okay, and, so this is by law, right, Anthony? Yeah, basically. Okay. And that's the whole thing by an well, by an author, of course. And when you have jokes and like stand-up comedy, first of all, it's not always fixed in a tangible medium of expression. Hmm. Remember that, let's say you're going on a set and no one's recording you, no one's like keeping it memorialized somewhere. Okay, Is it what even do you fixed? Yeah, a tree falls in a forest, did uh, anybody laugh at it kind of thing? Almost, I guess, when you think about it, something like that. But really the bigger problem is, I think, are jokes proper copyright subject matter? Because if it's an idea then it's not copyrightable. Okay. Only if it's an expression. And you said it has to be fixed. Can you what what exactly does fixed mean? So fixed is more like it's written down or recorded in some way. It used to be only like it wouldn't even count if you were recording it at the same time. But now really? that would that would like that's okay in terms of copyright law. And when you say recorded, like does it have to be recorded for the purposes of sharing with the public? Or is No, it... you could keep it you could keep it private. That's uh, something in in the past, before uh, the Copyright Act was amended, 
that would be one of the th- one of the problems that let's okay. say you didn't have proper notice on it even though you did create something of original expression it wouldn't you would lose your copyright really so but if i now okay. we got rid of the more formalistic nature of copyright law so i i write down a joke at 3:30 in the morning on the toilet and i never look at it ever again and i never show it to anybody ever again but then um all of a sudden it can be and then and then somebody tells that joke somebody could sue me is that what you're saying or then somebody tells then somebody tells that joke and then i could sue them for copyright infringement you could sue but then it would be hard to win because you would have to prove they had access one of the whole things with copyright law is you could have independent creation so both of us could come up with the same joke independently yeah and then it would not be infringement okay now, sometimes when something is so uh, strikingly similar, when you have the substantially similar test, when it goes to a jury, when you sued, let's say that guy sues you, or you sue him, yeah, the joke, you can say access can be inferred because it's so similar. But really, you kept it privately, so how could he ever have access? It can't okay. really be inferred the way that you described it. So the purpose of access is not like about who told the joke better or who had the joke more out in the limelight or who, you know, stuff like that. It's more about whether the person who you're suing for copyright actually had had the ability to steal your joke. Yes, I think there is a element of that, but it's not – you don't have to actually have stolen. You don't need bad intent. I think if you have bad intent, it's usually going to go against you. But there's an, there was an interesting case uh, in the music industry with George Harrison. Uh-huh. And he took from the Chiffrons, um, You're So Fine, I believe the song, when he did Oh My Lord, I believe those were the two songs, he subconsciously copied. So that's uh... where you can have an element of subconscious copying. There was another case... Uh, the Isley Brothers dealing with uh, Michael Bolton, uh-huh. and Bolton was accused of subconsciously copying one of their songs, and the Isley Brothers songs, and that song was widely disseminated. It, it wasn't really the most popular song in the world, but it was mm-hmm. possible that he infringed, that he stole it, he listened to it, and subconsciously copied it. Then you have these kinds of situations. This could also happen in the joke world, but usually what I see happening, looking at certain cases, certain complaints of joke stealing, uh-huh. the person that, let's say, infringed or stole a joke would just tweak it a little bit, change the gotcha. expression just so slightly so that it actually was different. So have you seen uh, Louis? Louis C.K.? Yeah. Yes. Have you seen, have you seen the show, where he uh, the episode where he has Dane Cook on? Yes. Okay, so remember when he goes backstage and he accuses him of joke stealing the uh, that joke that he had about the itchy uh, rear end uh, it, to use correct. Uh, yes, we got to keep that clean that, words yeah. rating. Yeah, yeah, to keep that clean words rating. about the itchy rear end, right? Yes. And um, Louis Louis describes it as I don't think he says to him, "Hey man, I don't think that you meant to steal my joke. I just think that." 
you were on a rocket ship to success. And when you were blowing up, just some of that debris that was around your rocket ship just kind of got sucked in and helped propel you to fame. <laughs> and so, uh, which was, a, you know, kind of a funny metaphor. Um, and then, it, it, I mean, it's, it's a great scene. Everyone should check it out. Um, and it makes, for all the people who hate Dane Cook, and there are some haters, it puts him in a, a positive light. Um, I like that, Dane Cook. Do you like Dane Cook? I like Dane Cook. I'm a fan of his. Uh, I see that. I think I think that makes sense. Like, recently, I'm not sure. Right now, he's dusty. You know he's dusty? Yeah. But back in the day, Dane no, Cook... No, you know, he is dusty. What do you mean he's dusty? He's He was in Planes. He was the voice of the dust uh. <laughs> helicopter. What the helicopter? Plane. The dust cropper. His name was Dusty. That is uh. now his claim to fame, I guess. That, you know, gem of a film. Wow, he's really fallen off the map. He's gone into he's gone into animation. Wow, just taking shots everywhere now, I guess. Yeah, I guess, I guess so, man. Okay, so I'm happy that you like Dane Cook. We have our artistic differences. Um, that's that's totally that's totally respectable. I, um, but anyways, so I guess that, that means be- it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that means that I'm not I'm not respectable. No, I don't want to get into a fight oh, about. We shouldn't fight, you know. We we shouldn't be fighting. We should be educating the people. That's that's our that's our purpose on this we show. The people's podcast. We are the people's podcast. That's exactly right. We we podcast for the people. Yes, uh, we do. So I uh, and I would never want to insult a, a host, of course. Um, so I'm happy that you like Dane Cook. Uh, he personally just does not speak to me. Um, so Dan, that scene is kind of showing that you don't need to have intent to steal. You only need access. Is that what you're saying? I guess like, that's he, true. That's definitely true. The way that you're saying it. That um, you could have these certain situations where there is no bad intent and somebody just steals a joke. Just think about it. Have you ever done that in any of your sets? No, I've never stolen a joke. Um, but have you come there, close to something? There's, I mean, I've had parallel thought. Um, and I've gotten nervous when, like, I've seen somebody say something similar to me. Um, but, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a very unoriginal person. You know, I mean... All comedians are, I'm like a white dude with a beard in 2016. Like, there are a million of me. You can in, shave in your beard. City. You can shave it. That would really make me stand out. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would, that would, that would totally change it's the whole. October, you could shave it, and then in November, you know, no shave November. No shave November. Throw it out again. Okay, that would be, that would totally solve my, uh, originality issues. This is an it's intellectual just... property podcast, but I'm really just a life coach. I'm just trying to help <laughs> you in everything. Okay. Everywhere possible. Okay, cool. I'm learning my copyright laws and I'm learning, uh, how to stand out more. Uh, you... okay. So yeah, I'm, but no, I mean like sometimes, um, I get worried about that and I try to like adjust myself, uh, in relation to it, especially if a comic is bigger than me. I think that that's something that's kind of weird is that, you know, if um, oftentimes people will use the accusation of joke stealing as a way to put down another comic, obviously, take him down a peg to because that's the ultimate offense of being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
So if I hear like another comedian say it, especially, you know, if, if, if they're more famous than me, then I want to be careful as to how I say it because I would never want my peers or my audiences to think um, that I just saw, you know, you know, like Harrison Greenbaum or something like that do a set and then me take that joke because I saw him, you know, something like that. Um, so I do, I do worry about it a little bit, but then again, there are also some things that you say while you're on stage that just kind of are just throwaway things. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you know, like there's something called a save, right? Where if you tell a joke, it's not landing or if the, the audience isn't reacting, then you kind of say something like, boy, this is going really well. Or like, Oh my God, are you guys all tired? Are you all asleep? Yeah. Yes. I mean, these these are bad examples, but like being crowd work. Well, you can uh, say tough crowd. Yeah, like exactly, like that, that. And there's only so many different iterations of that sentiment, right? Like, there's only so many different ways you can say, "Boy, am I not doing well?" Or, "Boy, is this not the way that we expected it to be?" That sometimes I think that they can get repeated. Um, I've seen other comedians say the same thing. I've seen, you know, it, that. But that stuff isn't. I would argue that that stuff's not exactly a joke. That stuff is just I don't know I don't know what I don't know what that man I guess because you're kind of you're, I guess you're not dealing with a heckler. It's like the opposite of a heckler. You're trying to get the crowd into it. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. I mean, like you're making a joke out of really a tool. Yeah, it's kind of a tool, exactly. So. But following up on that, so you were talking about it earlier, it's very frowned upon in the industry. And it's very interesting, even though copyright law is not really protecting the artists and comedians, let's say, mm -hmm. the shadow of the law is what I would say is almost the self-industry within comic community. Yeah. That if you were caught joke stealing or something of that nature, you could be blacklisted from a club. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you if you took this one really funny joke, and what's changed is that now there's a lot more self-policing. Uh, I'm really mad at you. You stole that joke. You know, you stole my friend's joke, um, or you stole my joke. Uh, so that will kind of like raise awareness, and then maybe a club would just, or maybe just the community would decide that this person's a hack, and being called a hack, or is a uh, phony. Phony, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of the it's the the ultimate insult. So with that primer to basically the copyrightability of jokes, whether you can get copyright protection or not, you really should look at a recent lawsuit. I think it was basically February third, twenty fifteen, I believe, was when the Twitter joke was used with um, Robert Caseberg. Right, he wrote a Tom Brady joke on his blog, and then he claimed it was stolen. By none other than Conan O'Brien. Wow. Very popular, you know, TBS show now. No <laughs> longer NBC. Big problems yeah. over there. Th th thanks for explaining to the audience who Conan is. I mean, some people don't know. Some people that aren't on Team Coco. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Are you on Team Coco? Uh, I like Conan. Yeah, I like Conan too. He's pretty good. I'd love, uh, yeah, yeah, I like Conan. He's a good guy. He seems great. But here was a joke where it was Tom Brady said he wants to give his MVP truck to the man who won the game for the Patriots. So enjoy that truck, Peter Carroll, Pete Carroll. 
And then the next day, Conan O'Brien basically told a similar joke in his monologue. Now, the one that really started this whole lawsuit was a Delta flight joke. Okay. And basically on Caseberg's Twitter, he said something, a Delta flight this week took off from Cleveland to New York with just two passengers. And they fought over control of the armrest the entire flight. So O'Brien told basically another similar joke about the Delta flight that same day. So it seems like Caseberg was trying to say Conan kept doing it, kept stealing these jokes from him. But okay. it could be possible that maybe they were following each other or somebody in the writer's room was still friends with him. And seeing this, maybe subconsciously copying, maybe with a bad intent. Who knows, mm-hmm. right? He sued for $600,000. Now, for copyright, you don't need to register for a joke. You don't need to, like, register it with the government that you to- that you wrote this joke. You just need to present evidence that it was created by you. So the whole thing with, co- with registration, it's not technically necessary for copyright. I believe it used to be in the past. Again, we went off of the formalistic system. Okay. So, like, now you don't necessarily have to register, but you're given extra benefits if you do. I see. Yeah. I mean, the the first one, the Pete Carroll joke, uh, or MVP Pete Carroll joke, I mean, that just sounds so, like, generic. I mean, no offense to either of them, but, like, Pete Carroll is the coach of the, of the Seahawks, and he was the one who made all the mistakes – Tom Brady didn't earn it. Pete Carroll was just a bad coach. I mean, that's like, that's that's not a, the most original joke. But the Cleveland and New York one, uh, that the flights, that one's like a little bit more specific. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that's. I mean, yes, but I think at the end of the day, both of them are very sense affair almost, and this is where it becomes more of an idea, and that expression basically means you're using tropes. And almost like cliched elements. So it's so unprotectable. That basically the idea and the expression merge almost. So a great example is a horror film. You're going to have certain tropes of characters in those films. Right? You always have like the defenseless uh, damsel in distress. You have the jock. You know, you have certain horror characters that are just... Uh Like, the, like, let's say, the cabin in the woods kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The minority character who gets killed first. The people who have sex, they always die. Yes, yes. Like, I was cleaning it up a bit, but thank you. <laughs> it's true. If you, yes, have, sex it is what happens. Film, if you have sex in a horror film, you are going to die. And here, it's like you have the same kind of thing that you're talking about. Is it really so crazy to be talking about these current events that are happening? Is it really so original? The jokes that he was presenting. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, it seems like access is there. It seems like, obviously, it was it was um. Well, what's the phrase you said that when it was written down? It was well, yes. If it's on Twitter like that, it definitely is fixed. Fixed, fixed. That's the word. Okay. Um, the other thing that I would mention here that. It's also public domain almost. That's another thing when we talk about these current events. So mm-hmm. he's critiquing it. Sure, was it so original to think of the armrest joke? Possibly. But it's very unclear. The last I looked into this case was sometime in 2015. 
he was, uh, Kaysberg was still trying to serve Conan and was being very unsuccessful in his efforts. But, okay. uh, the Conan's website and, like, legal team were just resting their case on no sufficient originality in the jokes. So even if Conan or his writing team did have access, may have stole the jokes, they're not admitting that. But even if that was possible, there was nothing to steal because it was not original enough. Which is not only a legal argument, but is also an insult against the comedian. <laughs> I guess. I mean, yeah, right, like, that's true. It's like, it's like, that's like a double, that's like insult to injury. It's like a double argument. Like, not only, or that argument, that argument works in two different ways. Not only is this legally insufficient, but you're also a hack. Yep. Well, listen, I guess everybody in the comedy industry is a hack at one point in their life. Yeah, I guess so. This is what happens. That's beautiful. And I saw I come out with these nuggets of knowledge every so often. That's why. That's why I come to the Zangrillo Factor. Keeps coming back. Now moving on, another interesting case was uh, the Joan Rivers impersonation lawsuits. So now Joan Rivers rest in peace. But it was very interesting back in the day. I think it was around in the eighties, late eighties. Yeah, nineteen eighty six. It looks like. Yes, and she basically sued impersonators in Atlantic City and Las Vegas. And basically was saying, it's okay that they are impersonating me and they're copying my routines and whatnot. But what she got mad about is they would actually copy whole acts word for word. So now, do you see a distinction between, let's say, copying the style of Joan Rivers? So let's say if a man dresses up like her, copies her Mm -hmm. demeanor in every single way, but then changes the expression of the joke so it's only copying the idea whereas if you copied her words word for word now you are an impersonator that would be as she claimed infringing the copyright because you're infringing her expression of the joke Uh uh-huh i mean okay so it's it sounded like they were making fun of they were impersonating her right yes so there is um from what i understand that parody is given an exception in copyright law, right? There yes. is there there is some grounds for poetic license of for parody. You do have to have a transformative use of the parody. Okay, so what does it, that mean exactly? So basically you have to be going further. You they don't want to just if you're just doing parody and you're basically free riding off of somebody's work and then claiming parody as your defense, it won't always work. So a great example was somebody riffed on uh, the song Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. But they really were riffing on the movie, not the song, the original intent of the song. The court said that was fine. But when you really look at it, were they making such a transformative use? It's very questionable. So when you're in the issue of parody, you're in very dangerous waters. So here, yes, is yes, I would say there is parody, but if you're copying one of her jokes word for word, are you really transforming it? Are you mm. making fun of her? Or are you just for, aping her, like copying her completely? Exactly. So for me, that brings up kind of two interesting questions, right? One, how – first off, it's very important to be good at your job, <laughs> you know, like – 
Like, because when you're saying, does it transform it into something new? That's kind of like a comedian saying, are you making this parody your own? Are you incorporating your own spin on this? Are you having it transcend the original material in a way that's incisive or funny or satirical? Things like that. Um, and so in that sense, it, it's almost like saying a court would be examining how successful the parody was in transforming the original piece into something original. Yes. Um, and in that sense, it's important to be good at a parody, which is kind of crazy to think that copyright, copyright law cares about how good you are at it. Um, and second, the thing that I think about is um, what does it matter if you're saying the exact same thing as Joan Rivers? If you copy the idea, but you change some of the words, you change some of the expression, technically that may be okay, but if you took the joke word for word, you're being lazy. That's really what it is there. Yeah. So do you see a distinction there or not? I do see a distinction. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. If you're, if you're understanding and you're giving some credit it's almost like if you're making fun of something, you're almost giving them credit implicitly. Whereas if you're just recreating it, it's almost like you're trying to steal it for your own and you're not really letting the audience get in on the joke. Because if the joke is is making fun of Joan Rivers herself, then that's implicitly giving credit to Joan Rivers as the original creator of her message. Yes. That's, huh. that's, it's very interesting, and we don't really know what the actual ruling on that case was because there was a settlement. And she was acting like it was okay they were impersonating her, which possibly is true because I know they've still been doing it to this current day. And mm. it's just the idea that they stole her material. So it's, it's interesting when you think of this stuff because I remember Jerry Seinfeld was doing a, like interview about it and how – he thought a lot of comedians nowadays were getting lazy because they would complain where it's like no YouTube is allowed, no like no recording during the performances because somebody will record their whole act and then all their jokes are now online. You can watch whenever on YouTube and they're not getting any, you know, um, fees from it. And what he would say is every single year when he starts a new comedy tour, Jerry Seinfeld, he always comes up with a whole new set. He's not yeah. going to do any of his old jokes. And now he challenges himself to that, and he says it's hard. Now he has a very interesting comedic mind, where he basically is just looking around and wondering about every day-to-day -day things. Is I don't know if you ever watch comedians in cars getting coffee. I have. Very very good show. Not as good as Seinfeld, obviously, but it just shows you how Jerry Seinfeld thinks that he just will observe things. He just goes out there and observes people, observes things happening, and then makes comments on them, and then through his crazy process will eventually turn it into a joke. That sounds about right. Now, I don't, I, you know, what do you think on what he's saying with that? Do you think that there should be more of an incentive? This is not with the joke stealing, but just the comedians should make whole new sets every year when they go on a new tour or something <laughs> like that. Uh, I mean, I think that 
I salute Jerry Seinfeld for being able to do that. Um, I think that everyone should aspire to constantly be writing jokes. Uh, and I also agree that people should be trying their best to adapt um, to a changing media landscape. Um, that being said, if somebody, if a club asks you not to put on a recording device, then don't put on a recording device because that's losing money for the club as well. Yes. Um, so uh, there's kind of a there's two sides to that, I guess. I mean, it, he it, there there is some like I mean, it, just because the iPhone invented was invented like the, before the iPhone, people could still try to record shows and that was still illegal. You know, the, the social media and the, and smartphones didn't change the fact that you can't record when you're in a club or in a movie theater, things like that. Yes. Um, uh, so uh, the next one is we kind of wanted to talk about, I think, a, a great example of where where is the copyright uh, is with Amy Schumer's recent scandals. You know, Amy Schumer is very popular. Uh, she's kind of uh, very, very successful, but she's been getting a lot of rumors that she's been stealing jokes Uh, yeah she's been it's been it's been going on for you know a couple years now that you know a lot of you know it's almost similar to the conan o'brien uh scandals where she's some people who have toured with her who are you know less successful comedians who have been accusing her of joke stealing um and or just stealing premise uh premises and stuff like that um so what's interesting the is looking at some of them and determining is she actually stealing the joke or is she applying a new spin to it? Um, and I think that you could say that there has been access. You know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, were on uh, Oprah. Some people were on, you know, had their own Comedy Central special. Some were comedians who toured with her. Uh, people who said that she stole... Uh, their jokes. Uh, all female comedians who said that Amy Schumer stole her jokes. Okay. Um, and then there were some people who said that she stole Patrice O'Neill's jokes, rest in peace. Um, so he had this joke, and it's kind of a, it's a street joke. A street joke is, you know, those jokes that you tell when you're at a party, and it's like, you know, everyone's drunk, and they say, anyone know any good jokes? That That's kind of a street joke, right? Basically um, me all the time. Exactly. You all the time, all day, every day. All day, Uh, every day, telling those street jokes. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) But Zangrillo on the street, just out there with Billy. Out there there with Billy on the street. Yep, Billy Eichner. Bill Eichner. Yeah, so there was this street joke, um, you know, kind of about, I don't know if you've heard this, there's like some very, some jokes about like lewd, creative sex positions, and people talking about those, so... One time in a set, Patrice O'Neill talked about a lewd, creative sex position. Okay. Um, and then Amy Schumer, like three years later, told that same joke. Well, she, no, but she didn't even, but she said, have you guys heard of this one before? She was commenting on this genre of joke about the lewd, creative sex joke, right? But she and did she, not give credit. No. There's some not disclosure con- there, I guess. There's a little bit of. But we could say it's a street joke so that Patrice stole it from someone else, you could argue. Maybe, maybe. you're saying that he said that. Now, did he just say that and he actually came up with it? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he actually came up with the one that he told. Because I don't but think I... that's enough if you don't have actual attribution. You're just giving general, like, hey, have you heard this one before? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, because have you heard this one before can also just be a literary device that you use to set up the audience for whatever's coming next. Yeah, just like, theoretically, Happy Birthday shouldn't be copyrighted, although I think technically it is. Well, no, now it's not anymore. It was. They it was overturned it recently. There was a That's... case that came out, which will be another podcast episode. Yes, that should be a podcast episode. About I wish happy... we had video because I'm winking. Oh, you <laughs> listeners, it's everybody. Everybody. Okay, uh, to all the listeners of the Zangrillo Factor, imagine Anthony Zangrillo winking at you while you look in the mirror right now. Just be careful. That may be too much for them, so just calm it down a little bit. Yeah, it's a little too much. Yeah, a little bit too much little machismo. Too much. Yeah, just too much, just too much chemistry going on. It's too much going on right now. So, so we don't know if he wrote this joke or not, right? But uh, then Amy Schumer, in her set, she says, "Have you heard this one?" She tells the creative, sexual, lewd, sexual joke, right? And but then she adds her own little commentary to it, of being like, "Oh my God, that's not funny. That's just rape." And that's like her. That was like her comments on the joke and people said that she stole that joke because she stole that premise yes. um i i don't think according to copyright law that it is though stealing that joke um because she added her own expression to it right wouldn't you th- wouldn't you think that that would be her if own she expression her own expression to it i mean yes maybe you know what i guess it, it does it seems like it's an idea at the end of the day the original mm-hmm. joke that it wouldn't even be protected. Even the, you're saying even the idea wouldn't be. I don't think like even if, like be met. I guess if she copied it word for word, then yes, that mm-hmm. it, that could be. It's a very difficult line. That it seems like you know, would you even bother suing? Because you you're relying on let's say a jury or a judge to be able to decipher this correctly too. Yeah, totally. But one of the most interesting areas. This is really coming a game changer is twitter so we were talking about earlier with the conan lawsuit that those were twitter jokes that mm-hmm. were taken and it seems Tweet. like a lot of times a lot of like comedy writers are testing their material out on twitter and people were just stealing them without putting any right of attribution just follow me on twitter tw- tweets oh you're probably, plugging it probably, right. follow me on twitter at david bradley eye uh anyways as you're saying go ahead you know what? Follow him. Tweet at him. He's rude. He just interrupts people. We I give people plugs at the end. He's this is his third time on the podcast. I give him time to plug himself. Okay. Yeah, I'm a I'm a controversial tweeter. Just see what see what crazy stuff I'm gonna do next. Oh, yeah, first first I'm gonna interrupt the Zangrello himself. You have Who, no shame, good sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but basically, Twitter has a whole thing now. That writers could submit copyright claims to them, and then there's a whole takedown and notice system, almost similar to what's happening on YouTube. What right? is the, the what Digital is Millennium take- Copyright Act? What, what can you explain to uh, the lay audience what notice and takedown specifically is? So basically, the copyright owner would give a notice to Twitter, right, the service provider here, and okay. then they would take it down. They were putting a certain notice, basically. Instead of the tweet, you would see just like this content has been marked as, you know, copyright infringement or something like that. So Got it's it. Cracking down on the copycats out there gotcha. on Twitter, joke stealing. Gotcha. 
So what I think would be very interesting, I don't know if you ever heard of the Lentz versus Universal case, which was about Prince on YouTube, right? Again, mm-hmm. rest in peace to Prince. But he was very litigious, very protective of mm-hmm. his work and people that were using it in certain ways. So there was one case where there was like a mother and a daughter or son that were dancing to this Prince video and it got so many views on YouTube and Universal put down the takedown notice and Mm -hmm. YouTube took it down. But she actually, the person using it, fought and went all the way sued saying that it was wrong, that it was fair use and they weren't infringing on Prince's work. And this actually changed a lot of things because they said now there's a penalty if the copyright holder doesn't check for a fair use defense before giving the notice. I wonder if something similar like that will happen with Twitter. So they have to check for a fair fair use defense before they file the notice. Yes. But it noted that plaintiff would need to show bad faith by a rights holder. So what exactly is fair use defense, and what? how could somebody use fair use defense on YouTube? Well, there's basically a variety of factors that you're looking into, the purpose, character of the use, the nature of the copyrighted work, the amount and substantiality of the portion used in relation to the whole work, and the effect of the use upon the market or the value of the work. So let's give that case as an example. She's not using it. She didn't have ads on the YouTube video. The nature of the work was obviously very amateurish, and it wasn't like the amount and substantiality of the portion used wasn't high quality of the whole thing, and it was only snippets of the work. And then it doesn't have any effect on the market value. If you're trying to listen to Prince's song, you're not going to use this copy. And it's not like disparaging it in any way. It's just a fun little video that she was putting out there, not for profit, not to gain viewership. She was just doing it. Maybe you could say a self-inflated, you know, love letter to her own ego or narcissism. This is possibly true because this is all social media is at the end of the day. Yeah, all Uh, of us. I get on my pulpit here. But uh, it's really not, let's say the Twitter users, there's definitely an intent there. They're trying to get a followership or like a user base because if they just wanted to share the joke, why wouldn't you attribute it to the author of the tweet? Why wouldn't you just retweet it? There's a system so, already in place on Twitter uh-huh. for that. I see. Right? It's so, so easy to just retweet. Absolutely. And so if she had attributed it, if she said this song is this is for this is by Prince uh, at the very beginning, she would have been immune? No. I think she did actually do that. It's just that's why I'm saying there's a difference between music and comedy, like what the work actually is. Let's say there's no question at all that that song, I think it was, I think it may have been, I forgot Let's what song crazy. exactly it was, but Prince, his work is original. You know, I would agree. I would agree. That it is copyrightable, even if it's a little bit um, contentious on how original songs are in relation to one another. Basically, courts have no problem finding that most of the time. With mm-hmm. jokes, as we were explaining throughout this whole podcast, it seems like Courts sometimes have a problem finding originality in this sentence, this punchline. And that's where it becomes a real big issue on – you could say with the fair use that the nature of the copyrighted work is not original. You're going to – let's say if you ended up litigating this, which would be insane in my opinion. Like I can't believe Caseberg was looking for 
mm-hmm. seems like he was just going after a you know defendant with money bags and Conan. But you're gonna try and say that it was you know not original, just sends a fair and they didn't even steal anything and you could also say that it was published on social media that it was just put out there almost for the mm-hmm. public to use that's not as strong an argument because we're finding more and more that even though it's on social media these things should be protected in some way yeah we're talking about how now social media is being protected more you have more copyrights uh you have a little bit more copyright protection for things that you tweet um, with the notice and takedown regime, yes, uh, or that you put on YouTube, right? Um, and except except for the fair use defense, correct? Um, something like educational purposes, yes. Or you're not making money off of it, or something like that. It's not always yeah. that simple, but you, a lot of times you're going to look to the fair use defense. Like the example that I think people use it the wrong way is when you look on YouTube, a lot of people just put that down and say, "Oh, it's fair use." Well, it's not that simple. You do have to make sure you're not wholesale using the copyrighted work, even if it's not for profit. Because at the end of the day, almost anything can be for profit. You're getting a viewership. You're getting a user base, even if you don't have advertisements on it per se. I see. Um, Okay, interesting. Uh, So that being said, there is more protection for social media content. I think more than in the past. More than in the past. Would you say that there's more social media content protection than if you told the same joke on stage at a club? Well, you bring that up. Here's a great example. Do you know the account The Fat Jewish? Yes. So John Ostrovsky was came out, I think, last year in 2015 or something like that, that he was stealing all these jokes, that a lot of the things that made him famous, he did not come up with. Mm-hmm. And reading, I think, an article that he did with either the Rolling Stone or some other, you know, website, he tried to say he didn't realize that was even stealing. He thought mm-hmm. it was okay to just be sharing this information with people. Yeah. And it's like it's something interesting when you think of these arguments and these ideas that people don't even understand they are infringing that they're. It's silly, I think, that he knows he's stealing people's works and he's just being a horrible person, acting like he did nothing wrong. Now, do you know what the social justice warriors out there did? That they put his whole book up on Twitter in response to these allegations and his refusal to basically be honest about them. That's an interesting response. So it's kind of a self-policing. I mean, it's like, do two wrongs make a right? Great question. This is what, uh, but, a philosophical debate that has never been solved. Well, you're Emperor Palpatine, so if I were Emperor Palpatine, then I would say yes. Because two wrongs do make a right. Right? I mean, like... No, because he would predict the second wrong and allow the first wrong to happen to someone else, but never allow the second wrong to happen at all. Interesting. It's a game of chess. Go see Queen of Catway. Very good film. Makes chess exciting. Okay. That's my uh, recommendation. <laughs> nice plug, by the way. Uh, and read his review on Queen of Catway on... On uh-huh. motionpictureclubs.com. Clubs.com. Okay, got it. But I think uh, this has been a very, very informative discussion. 
we were able to parse out a lot of uh, copyrightability, possibly inequities in copyright law, but also you could see why they may not want to protect every single joke because it would stifle too much creativity, maybe create too many of these frivolous lawsuits that these famous comedians have to deal with. So, but, to, but my last question though, and I thank you very much for having me on again. If I tell That's a great. joke on, if I tell a joke on Twitter and then I tell the same joke on stage, which one do I have more copyright protection over? Well, if the other one's recorded in any way, they're equal protection. If it's That's not great. recorded at all, you could argue. But here's the thing: I would say you should at least write it down in your own personal notes. Like if you wrote a speech down, then it's recorded. Huh. So if you wrote a joke, you have some record of it, right? Yeah. Then you have the fixation requirement met. In the past, it used to have, we, as we went over, it has to be public. Now it doesn't have to be anymore. That you could okay. have private thoughts re recorded and memorialized. Awesome. Okay. So I think it's equal. You know, there's more... It's easier for people to unwittingly share, unknowingly share on social media. Yeah. Whereas if you're in a club and then if you retell the joke, that's the thing. If you retold the joke to somebody, are you infringing somebody's copyright? Like just to well, do it to a friend. Huh. And I'm taking credit no. for it? Well, I guess you wouldn't be – well, who knows? Are you taking credit for it or not? That's a good question. Uh, so if I'm not taking credit for it – then it's me just, oh, you heard Amy Schumer's joke about the fox and the terrier or whatever. Um, but then if I said, oh, uh, what do you think of foxes and terriers? And then I just told the joke assuming the persona of the joke teller just to a friend. Um, so if you heard a joke, uh, but uh, David, you got any last words for uh, listeners out there? No, I mean I think it's interesting, uh, you know – Tell your jokes correctly and tell your jokes – tell jokes with your own unique perspective uh, and do a good job because that can matter. If you – I think that I think that's the most interesting thing for me that I've learned from this is that the better your joke is, the more original your joke is, the less likely you're going to get sued for copyright infringement. All right. So I would say look out for next week. And uh, look forward to the next Fordham IPLJ podcast episode. Anthony Zangrello signing off. All right. Okay. I feel like there's some editing I have to do on this one. <laughs> I wrote <laughs> a, a lot bit, down. A little bit more editing than last time. But I, I think that there are a lot of the asides that we can kind of keep keep in because they're funny. You know, like – there's, there, like oftentimes in podcast interviews or even on TV shows themselves, they'll make jokes like, oh, we definitely are going to edit this one out. Like that's so, sometimes that can be kind of funny, but obviously you use your own judgment. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. If you have more ideas, you know, send them my way. I okay. See, I, I know a lot of people have been contacting, so I don't know. They're just impossible to set up sometimes. That's the whole problem. Hmm. I gotcha. All right. Well, this was good. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right. Take care. See ya.